Hi, I'm Jen. I'm Anthony, and this is Bottom Bracket Biking Podcast. A couple's guide to biking. Welcome to episode 30. I know, Anthony, 30 feels awful official, which is really incredibly weird to think about because this was just a thing we were going to try last year. Yeah, now we just keep doing it. We're like... (laughs) Our Sisyphean task of rolling the podcast up every two weeks. Well, anyway, guys, welcome to episode 30. <laughs> welcome to episode 30. Today we're talking about our Washington, D.C. trip, right? We are. And then at the end, we're going to be talking about what we've been doing since we got back from Washington, D.C. But before we do that, let's talk about some upcoming events. Which we really don't have too many to talk about this time. Yeah, uh, the last couple episodes, we've had, I don't know, a dozen or more that we had to decide. <laughs> but we've only really got two that we want to go over this week. So the first one of those is the continuation of the Monday Night No Drop rides that are held by CETA every week. And they are rotating this year. It is Center Trails, Ewing Park, Center Trails, Sycamore, based on what week of the month it is. And those will be continuing throughout the summer. Yeah. And the second event is the Iowa Gravel Classic, which is happening July 3rd. We were there last year, right? Mm -hmm. You did that one last year and I helped out. Yeah. So if you're around July 3rd, I'm not sure if the registration is still open. It is open until June 30th. So if you're interested, you should really sign up soon. Yeah. Don't got much time left. And that is all the events we really wanted to talk about. As always, if you have an event that you want us to throw out into podcast land, uh, let us know. And we are getting these specifically from bikeiowa.com. So if you have an event that's not up there, I definitely recommend it. Yeah. Throw it up on Bike Iowa and we might just read it anyway. Don't even have to be social at all. (laughs) Win-win. Anyhow, Anthony, let's talk about D.C. D.C. Washington, D.C. specifically, not the other Washington. Yes. That's why I said D.C. Yeah, yeah. We went out to D.C., for, uh, we were moving some friends out there. They went out there to do their big boy jobs, and they said, hey, you want to go? And we being, you know, how we are, said, yeah, and didn't think about anything else. And then they said, hey, you want to bring your bikes? And we said, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, we do. So we'll get to it later, but we ended up flying our bikes back, which you can do. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. That was an experience. Yeah. So we rode some trails out there. If you're like me, you might be wondering, can you actually ride in D.C.? And the answer is, if you're mountain biking in D.C. proper, eh, maybe not. But if you're willing to go, say, 45 minutes to an hour into the surrounding area, yeah, they've got a whole bunch of things out there to check out. Yeah, and if you're like me, you're saying, where is D.C. at? And it (laughs) is uh, over tucked between Virginia and Maryland and somehow its own, like, district or something. It's a very weird situation they got there. And if you're also like me, you've never been there, and it's an amazing place. I highly recommend it. Just the, the buildings alone are super cool. Yeah, completely not talking about bikes. It was an amazing place. Yeah, well, we can sometimes talk about other things. Occasionally, yes. Occasionally. Based on where it's situated, we biked twice in Maryland and once in Virginia. And I think Virginia is my favorite place because I had a couple of not ideal experiences in Maryland, but let's get into that. Yeah, let's do it, Jen. Uh, We biked in Frederick, right? Yep, that was the first one, and that is in Maryland. Do you remember what the trail system was called? I think they just called it Frederick. Yeah, whatever. There's a bike system up by Frederick that is rocky as all get out. And to be fair, I think there are some other trails in that system that are less rocky, but the one that we got onto was... Oh my goodness, it was rock gardens for days. Just picture rocks like roughly the size of your head, but you know, not smooth like your head is. Just piled up on the trail for 100 feet to 100 yards at a time. Pretty sure they call those baby heads. Yeah, I think they're bigger than baby heads. They're more like adult human heads. Oh, that's what they call them. I don't think they're that big. Mm. Then again, I rode most of them, not to brag. Yeah, I spent more time walking them. I think I probably looked at the rocks more than you did. Yeah, the the place we biked at, it wasn't just one trail. It was a whole system of them. And we uh, we rode by some that looked really nice. Some trails that looked really nice. But uh, our <laughs> friend was very insistent that this trail was very good and not that difficult. And uh, that was a lie. Well, 
He was thinking of a different trail at the same place. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, he had not been there for a while, and we went on the wrong side of the road. So I actually really want to go back and try that place out because the not rock garden sections were incredible. I think that system could be really cool. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I learned that I am not that good at rock gardens. Well, and that kind of brings up a point about bike trips in general is that beep happens. Yeah. Um, (laughs) See that? I saved myself some editing time right there. (laughs) Yeah, this is one of those times where it's like, okay, if... If I was a local here, this would just be a day that I could ride off and I could come back and try it again later. But you don't always have that time on a bike trip and you kind of have to be willing to go with the flow and learn from it. And Anthony, what did you learn at this trail about bike trips? Well, you said go with the flow. There was no flow there. Well, (laughs) (laughs) okay. There was a couple of really cool flowy downhill sections that I loved. What did I learn? Um, I learned bring flats, you dingus. <laughs> uh, I I don't know why. I didn't think it was going to be that difficult. And the other two trails that we rode weren't. But just if you're going somewhere near, near, new, mm-hmm. new, bring flats, you dingus. Um, and knee guards, maybe. Yeah. I am right now wearing my flat shoes. Oh, my goodness. You still and have my your knee guards. guards. I'm so excited for mountain biking, Jen. <laughs> I'm literally wearing my mountain bike stuff. Anthony just got a brand new pair of knee guards and bike shoes, so he is prepping for our next bike trip right now. Yes, which we will talk about almost certainly in our next episode to Mm -hmm. Colorado. Anyway, spoilers. If you don't want spoilers, skip that last bit. (laughs) Is that how that works? No, no. Spoilers are done. Okay. Bring flats. Flats are good because, yeah, they allow you to try things that you've never seen before. Yeah, and I, I I could ride a bunch of it, but if I had flats, I think I would have ride r- rided rided ridden roded a lot more, or at least tried. And my my shoes that I had, they wouldn't unclip, and so there were three times. Where oh yeah, I forgot you had brand new shoes too. Yeah, I had brand new shoes that weren't broken in and wouldn't unclip, and so three times I just like flopped right over. It was fun. It was stressful. <laughs> So the next place that we went to was really amazing. It was in Virginia. It's Fountainhead. And that was cool because it has three interconnecting loops. So you start out on a green trail and you can do an entire green loop or at a certain point you can turn off onto a blue trail and then you can do the entire blue loop or you can turn off onto the black trail, which is what we did And it was late enough in the day when we got there that we actually couldn't ride the whole black loop, which I think the overall, it might be like 12 miles total. But we were able to get a really good feel for that black and then take a shortcut. They had a a service road through there that we took part of the way back and connected up and then did black, blue, green, back to the parking lot. Mm -hmm. And there were no fountains or heads on the trail, so I don't know why they called it that. It had a really nice little creek. Maybe there's a fountain somewhere there. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, it was by far my favorite trail. It was uh, it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the green loop was fun and flowy. And then the black loop was soup. Was it green? I think it was blue. That loop we went down on. I think that that might have been where the black or the blue and the black connected. There was a, an actual like downhill section that you could kind of hop off the main stuff and play on. Okay. Yeah. I just remember there was one really flowy part. Is that the place where we saw that snake? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was freaky. Yeah, there was a snake on the trail, and Jen screamed like a little girl. It was- we were all going about 20 <laughs> miles an hour, and I, I think I might have actually been slightly airborne at this point. And it was a turn where if you overshot the turn, you were going to be going down an embankment, and there is a snake there, and I thought I was going to die for about half a second. Yeah. I might have made a fun noise. Yeah, that that was. I know that was a blue trail, because as I was going down, I thought, oh, this is why it's blue, because it was... Fast, flowy, like little tiny gravelly stuff. And if you slid out, which seemed probable, Mm -hmm. you were going off like a 15 foot drop. Yeah. And then as we were doing this, there was a snake on the trail. (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome. No bikes, people or snakes were harmed, but I did scream. Did you miss a snake? I did. Yeah, I did too. I was very proud of that, actually. I'm really hoping Mr. Snake Buddy was fine. Anyway, that was not going to be my point. My point (laughs) was that there was some green, there was some fun, flowy blues, and then the black had like, A, to get onto it, it had this really crazy rock climb that was fun. Mm -hmm. But then once you got 
up the the kind of the climb, there were a bunch of drops and jumps and stuff. Yeah. And the drops and jumps also had like dedicated beeline trails around them. So if you didn't want to do the jumps, you could just go around. And it, it was awesome. Like our whole, I mean, I had a lot of fun. I don't know. Did you have fun, Jen? Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure I could <laughs> spend a week just playing there and like working up to different stuff. It was one of the places where, you know, there are some blocks that's, it's kind of like trial by fire. You have to hit it right or you're probably going to hurt yourself. And so if you're not feeling confident, if you're not quite at that skill level, it's just not a fun trail. And this was not one of those. It's you could do as much or as little as you wanted to as long as you had some, you know, you had to be decently skilled to start it. Yeah. But the everyone in our group had that. And so you could ride it and Anthony could do a jump and I could go around it if I didn't think I was going to land it right. It was one of those trails where we, we went in there and then we didn't really know what we were getting into. And we started doing all this stuff. And every time we thought like, hey, I wish there was like a bail line so I didn't have to do the whole black loop. Oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. Hey, I wish there was like a way to around this jump that I didn't have to like do a you know, a three foot drop. Oh, there it is. It was yeah. like, we thought it, it was there. Fountainhead. Mwah. Chef's kiss. Amazing. <laughs> Definitely someplace I want to go back to in the future. Yes. Highly recommended if you're in Washington, D.C. for some reason, which I might be in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And then we went back to Maryland to Seneca Creek State Park. And these trails... They were, they definitely had more elevation gain, but they kind of reminded me of Iowa trails. What did you think? Yeah, they kind of reminded me of almost like a very hilly sycamore. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't anything super challenging, but they were kind of flowy. Yeah, they had some really nice flowy downhills at the way that we were doing the loop is at the beginning of it. And I'm actually really glad that we went that direction because I ended up, I still honestly don't know what I did. Somehow I hurt my knee. I think I might've run it into my handlebars, but everything happened fast enough that all of a sudden I was just stopped and everything hurt. So that was uh, my other experience of biking in Maryland of nice trail, but ow. Yeah, and if I would have been there for another two days, I would have bought a dang brush mower and mowed that stupid trail myself. Oh, yeah. There are some sections at the bottom that were way overgrown. Yeah, not to say that I do a particularly great job of the trails here, but uh, those (laughs) trails were also overgrown. I did like they went through, it was, I think it was a bean field that they went through for a while, and that was kind of interesting, like literally through the middle of the trail. It was a strawberry field. Strawberry, really? That's what uh, that's what Matt said. Oh, I I guess I could see that. I mean, I don't know how Matt knew, but that's what he said it was. Huh. I guess he's kind of from the area. Yeah, well, that's cool. Yeah, it was a super cool. It went right through the field, and I'm like, well, why don't we do this? Mm-hmm. We've we've got plenty of fields. We can put trails through them. Yeah, let us. Yeah. So anyhow, that was a a unique experience, and then I got to go back and put ice on my knee, and while I ate Indian takeout. Okay, actually, all right, back to the field trail. Could you imagine a trail through a cornfield when the corn's like 12 feet high? That could be a little bit scary. It'd be terrifying, yeah. You'd never see people coming. Well, I mean, yeah, you'd have to cut like the sides of it so that you could, Mm -hmm. because those uh, those corn leaves are sharp. Oh, yeah, you you could get tore up doing that. Yeah, and then like on harvest day, you get to play uh, Dodge dodge Tractor. No, 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 you you could just (laughs) shut that down. That would be freaky. But Dodge Tractor. No, I don't like Dodge (laughs) Tractor. That sounds horrifying. Yeah, that's probably why they don't do it, huh? Yeah. So anyhow, Anthony, what did we get to do then? Fly back. Uh Uh-huh. So Jen had gone with her friend Aubrey to find uh, a bike box. They found these big old bike boxes, you know, like what they ship them in. Mm -hmm. We just went to a bike store and said, hey, do you have any spare boxes? And they said, yes, we do. How many do you want? Yeah. Which was... Somehow much easier than I expected that experience to be since I'd never been in this bike shop before. But no, that was really nice. So then Jen and I decided we were world travelers and needed dedicated uh, bike bags. Well, I understand that people ship their bikes in cardboard boxes and this it's fine and bikes make it through all the time. But when you're loading up your bike and putting it into a cardboard box and then handing it off to luggage people... I was a little bit worried about this. Like, I would like something that has a bit more structure and also is maybe a little bit easier to move. Wifey, that was a joke. It was a it was a good idea. Yeah. It was a good idea. I can't stress how much a pain in the butt a giant 50-pound cardboard box is to move around. Yeah. So, we went to find uh, a dedicated box. Mm-hmm. 
So we get on the website called uh, Google, and we search, and we find two at REI. Awesome. That's how many we need. There are different REIs in the area, but it says that they do have two of the ones that we're looking for. So we got on the metro. We just hopped on a train, took an, went an hour north on a metro train, which I love trains. Oh, my God. Yeah, this this was a fun experience in and of itself. For I should Anthony. start a podcast called Trains with an exclamation mark. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we got on it, went an hour north, got to the REI, and we said, hey, mister, Mr. Meister, uh, your website says you have two of these available. I would like to know if you have two of them. And the guy looked at us like we were crazy. The guy's like, I don't know, I trust a website. And I was like, I don't care, because it said you had them. Please look. And so uh, he, he ended up being very helpful. Um, I just don't think he appreciated being told what he had in inventory. <laughs> Which I can completely understand. But we're like, uh, hi, we, we would like this thing that the interweb says you have. Yeah. The interwebs was wrong. Well, no, the interwebs was right in that the inventory did say they had it. He looked up and he said, well... There it is right there. It says we have we have it in stock. And in his favor, he did search for like a half hour for it. Mm-hmm. The dude turned the store over to try to find it. And it ended up they didn't have it. And so we looked up the he actually was like, OK, so this other place also says it has one. I highly recommend you call them. Here's their phone number. And it was the exact same thing. It said they had one in inventory. And the lady I talked to on the phone was like, I don't think I've ever seen one of these. I don't know what the heck is going on. So we learned that if you are going to travel, you know, two and a half hours round trip to get something and it somewhere says it only has one in stock and it's, you know, kind of a unique item, maybe call the store ahead of time. If it says they have one in stock and they only have 43 in the entire U.S., call ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, that was our rough lesson of the day. Which, I also found one on Facebook Marketplace, and I messaged the guy, like, hey, do you have one of this, or is this available? And he messaged me two days later. Mm-hmm. So that didn't happen. Didn't work out very well. Did not work out. So it, cardboard boxes it was, which, seeing how it was our first time flying with bikes, I I kind of, kind of wanted to try that out, just to be like, okay, we can do this, even though I was really worried about my bike. So anyhow, that You wanted to try out the cardboard box or just in general? the cardboard box. Oh, God. Okay. I I wanted to try out the cardboard box. I wanted to figure out how to fly with my bike just because it opens up a lot more avenues for us to do bike trips in the future with our bikes. We could go to Whistler with a cross-country bike like a psychopath. Yeah. Something like that. So on one hand, I was like, okay, we need to do this with the cardboard box before we buy an actual box or bag for it. And then it turned out we had no option, so that's what we did. And we were flying with American, and they allow, as part of their normal checked bags, a box that is up to 62 inches and 50 pounds in weight. And Anthony, where did we end up? We were 58 inches, which is four inches under the max. And when we, we didn't have a scale, so we just had a guess. Mm -hmm. So we loaded it up on the scale to see what the weight was. And my box was fifth or forty-seven pounds, so four inches under and three pounds under the max. Oh, buddy! And when we brought it up there to check it in, the lady looked at us like we had lost our dang mind. Oh yeah, and we were already stressed out because we're like we we typically don't check bags anyhow when we fly, so this was a bit of a new experience anyhow. <laughs> we typically don't fly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have checked bags once in the past ten years, and that was with a college group and. I didn't have to think about it. I just showed up with my bags. I'm like, yeah. okay, I think I know what I'm doing. Um, so we, we the, the the lady who looked at us like we were crazy brought in someone else because we were like, well, actually, Jen was. Jen, I Jen was, is more um, social than I am. Jen said, hey, no, we looked it up. This will work. And so we got uh, escalated, we'll say. Yeah. And so the next lady comes and looks and goes, oh, boy, these kind of people. No, we've done this before. <laughs> So she said, yeah, it's allowed. Yeah, our friend actually recommended to us after the fact. She's like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. When you're doing that, I highly recommend that you screenshot on your phone the section on the website where it shows what you can fly with. Because these people might not deal with, you know, crazy people flying with bikes on 
a daily basis. And so being able to just bring it up and know that it's like have it in a picture form so that you don't have any issues with your phone. Just be like, here's what it says. This is what I'm going off of. Like that can be helpful. So yeah, I realized that day that maybe we are, maybe we're the crazy ones. (laughs) (laughs) Am I the crazy person? It took you until that point to consider it. So anyway, we got the tag, put a sticker on there, checked good take it over to TSA. We take it over to TSA and they look at us like we've lost our mind. It didn't fit under the, uh, <laughs> they had this thing that you slide your stuff under. It didn't fit. <laughs> they moved the little barrier for us. Luckily, same thing. One of the guys there had clearly seen this before. He double checked that we did have the tag. He took it in. We're like, please don't hate us. Please don't hate us. Walked away, went through security And then we're sitting there waiting to get on our plane and we see our boxes go across the tarmac. And we're like, hey, we know for a fact that's ours. It looks like they're going to our gate. This is good. So far, so good. It was funny. I saw the box go by and I thought, hey, that looks like our boxes. And I thought, well, who else's boxes could they possibly be? (laughs) Like Nobody else in that place had a box like that. So, yeah. And... You know, I don't know if you know how big 58 inches is. Oh, my goodness. It doesn't fit through the lines. It doesn't fit through anything. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah. And then we're sitting there. We we get, you know, through security to our gate where it looks like our boxes were going the last time we saw them. And then we look down and we see the boxes getting loaded on the plane with different tape on them. And we're like, oh, my goodness. Okay, you've clearly opened the boxes up, which we expected they might, but we'd pulled things out. So the rotors were off the bikes because we didn't want those to get bent. I'd taken the pedals off of the bikes. The handlebars had been turned weird. It's like, please tell me that you got everything put back in so that I can reassemble my bike once I get it home. Yeah, we just kind of assume people know how to pack a bike into a box like that. Oh, I... I should not have seen that because I didn't. Well, I I know. That's what I said. Mm -hmm. We, in our podcast land, just assumed that. And yeah, we had to take the wheels off. We had to take the pedals off. Um, I took the rotors off because that way they couldn't get bent. I actually duct taped the rotors to the inside of the box in a plastic bag. Ooh, that's a good idea. I didn't do that. I should have done that. Well, because I was thinking like, where can I put these that they 100% won't get bent? And it was uh, just right on the sidewall. They're not going to hit anything if they're in a bag taped to the sidewall. And we had to do a bunch of other little funny stuff to fit them in there. Mm-hmm. But because I'm a risk taker, I also put a whole bag of dirty clothes in there <laughs> because I was like, this doesn't feel like 50 pounds yet. Yeah, I did not do that. My box did not weigh as much as Anthony's. That's probably why. Yep. So I put an extra couple, probably eight pounds mm-hmm. of clothes in there. Oh, Also, fun fact, guys, if you're flying with bikes and you've not done this before, something to keep in mind is that you probably want to take pressure out of your tires because when they go up to 30,000 feet, the pressure changes. How much does the pressure change by? Well, you're the pilot meteorologist, dude, so why don't you tell me? Yeah, I looked it up. It's a 14 PSI difference between ground level and 30,000 feet. Mm -hmm. So as long as your tire can handle an extra 14 PSI, you're fine. You don't yeah. have to. You don't have to deflate it to five psi. You can deflate it to. I mean, heck, even you know twenty psi. Once you get up to altitude, it's thirty-five psi. You'll be fine. Yeah, I think I normally run thirty, and I put mine down to fifteen, and the tires can handle up to like fifty or something. Yeah, the the rims usually are the limiting factor. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, think about that. The the package compartment's not a pressurized vessel. So yeah. But yeah, we, uh, we got the bikes home. It went okay. Yeah, they had opened the boxes and we saw that. And then once we got home, they, I mean, they, you know, they just cut our tape, looked at it. And it appears that they just opened it, said, yep, that's a bike. Mm-hmm. And put it back, which was a huge relief. I was worried they were going to try to take everything out and put it back. Ugh. We'd spent like an hour and a half the night before getting everything put in. Like, please, guys, I know you don't care about our bikes. Like, don't. Don't touch them too much. Yeah. I think they pulled out my giant orange laundry bag to check it, but, you know, (laughs) whatever. I I mean, if it was me, I would do that too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Giant orange bag in the bottom of a shady box. Yeah, I'm (laughs) glad they did. I think that's the only thing they actually pulled out, though. So, yeah, we got it to Des Moines. And they, same thing, they did not come out on the little baggage, you know, trolley thing. 
that takes all the the check bags back. We had to go over and be like, "Hi, nice, uh, nice baggage lady. Those random boxes are ours. Can we have them, please?" And she's like, "Oh, good. I was wondering what these were." Yeah, I was wondering what these were. I don't know. They say Trek and giant letters on the side. They literally have images of bikes, but you know. I think maybe she was wondering whose they were. Mm-hmm. But it was not hard to find that particular piece of luggage. Yes. And then, fun fact, did you know that giant boxes also don't fit in most vehicles well? <laughs> <laughs> Jen's, so. Jen's cousin showed up with a car and we're like, hey, let's see if we can fit these. We and could it, not fit these. It was an SUV. I, we could have fit both of the boxes and one extra person, but we also had our general luggage and we, two people. We tried to fit both the boxes and the door wouldn't close. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. No, it just wasn't working. So, yeah, luckily, um, my cousin had access to a truck. So, she and I went back with one bike box and got the truck and exchanged it and came back to the airport and got Anthony. Thank you very much, my cousin. That was amazing. So, yeah, that was our story of flying back with bikes. Hey, Anthony. I've got a sound that we haven't heard for a while. What? Hear that? Oh, God. Oh, God. It's so bad. The audio. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, that's going to be ugly. Hey, that's gear talk time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We have not had gear talk time for a while, but I have two things that I've really been liking that I wanted to talk about that kind of lead us into our next segment. Okay. Hey, what do you want to talk about? So... These are both things that go into gravel that I've been using a lot when we do gravel rides. Like water? Water goes into gravel. Big rocks go into gravel. Rocks do go into gravel. Dirt goes into gravel. Yeah. But no, gravel riding specifically. Oh, gravel riding. So the first one of these is I finally got a Garmin Varia, and I am super duper excited about it. For those of you who don't know, that is the taillight that has radar on it. And it hooks up to your bike computer or syncs up to your bike computer, I guess. It's a Bluetooth thing. And then when something's coming up behind you on a gravel road, it beeps and flashes. And that way you can tell when cars are coming. Dude, behind you, you don't sound very. This is it's the most futuristic thing I have on my bike by far. Oh, yeah. It's, it's I incredible. Bought, I bought this stupid thing. So I got it first and then Jen got it. Now she's all excited about it. Mm-hmm. It's a $200 taillight. Who in their right mind spends $200 on a taillight? Uh, so I thought, you know, I'll give it a shot. I hope it worked half as good as it sounds like it'll work. Mm-hmm. It worked like twice as good as I thought it was going to work. Oh, yeah. It is amazing. It'll it'll detect cars from like, I don't know, a half mile away. It's crazy. I mean, it will detect them long before I can hear them on gravel roads. Mm-hmm. And it will also detect multiple cars too. So if there's like a car behind a car, it'll it'll show that up as well. And so you just don't worry about cars being behind you anymore. You know, you're not looking back all the time. Yeah, I realized part of the reason that I decided it was worth it for me to get one is, A, Anthony and I don't typically race together, but I didn't even want to go on rides on my own just because it's so nice having that additional layer of security. Like, and I pay attention. I don't listen to music. I don't have any sort of earbuds on gravel. And there have been multiple times on rides with Anthony where he'd be like, hey, there's a car back. I'm like, I've been paying attention and looking and listening for that. Like, I grew up on gravel. I know what that sounds like. Nothing. Just you don't hear anything. And it could be right behind you because it was going slow and you wouldn't know. Or, so. yeah, or you're into a wind and so you don't hear it as quick and it comes up on you on like 50 miles an hour and blows by you. Mm-hmm. I've had that happen, too. Uh, what is that peace of mind worth? I tell you what. 200 bucks. Well, well, m- way more than 200 bucks. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. It, well, if it gets dirt on it, it, uh, it still works. You know, yeah. that doesn't make it stop working. Um, and when it does detect a car, it goes from a solid light to a blinking one to kind of, I think, help, mm-hmm. uh, raise attention, raise yeah. attention, get attention. Yes. Yeah. And on the display unit or your Garmin 530, cause you're a fancy boy. It shows how far the car is away from you, and also it shows how fast it's approaching. Oh, my 520 doesn't do that. It doesn't? No, it doesn't. Oh. I told you I wanted to upgrade. Really? Yeah. It doesn't have, like, little dots on the side that come up? It has dots, but it doesn't... It doesn't give up whatever. Yeah. We'll have to compare by computers. Yeah, it shows dots like approaching yes, you. Yeah. It does show that. And does it show like red and orange? Yes. Yeah. If it's red, it means, hey, watch the heck mm-hmm. out. If it's orange, it means you'll probably live if it hits you. 
Okay, fine. I guess the 520 does show that as well. Yeah, calm I down. thought it had a little display screen that showed up with like 47.2 miles per hour. No, like, why would you need to know that? I don't know. It'd All right. Cool. Talk about your water. Anyhow, my second thing is much less uh, exciting than that, but I've been loving it all the same. I, I have been trying to go away from hydration packs just because they get really uncomfortable after a long time on gravel, and I typically don't need the entire parachute I pack in them. So I found the Hydra Pack Ultra Flask. I've got the 20 fluid ounce one here, and this is something you can fill up with water and put in your jersey pocket. And when you get done drinking it, you can roll it up and it turns into something literally smaller than my fist and it tucks away really well. So just having, you know, an extra thing, one more thing of water that I can carry that's very comfortable. I basically don't notice it's there. And if I do need it, I then don't have to carry an empty water bottle for the next X number of miles. I've been loving that. But I am not convinced. I haven't tried them. Why is that? Why? Because I, I, I like my water pack. Cool. I like bringing it on my back. But I suppose that's an option if you really hate backpacks. Well, I just... And the main thing is, is, is that when you're done, it squishes to nothing. Yeah, that's probably my favorite part. And also, I've been shifting away from the backpack, not just because it's uncomfortable, but because I've been putting nutrition in my water. And so oh. I like having just one thing that is mostly it's just water so then if i need that to i don't know wash out a wound or i my nutrition isn't working out and i don't want to have it i do have that backup water yeah or if you need to make uh some brownie mix on the side of the road you have that water i don't know why i would need to do that but yes anthony i have backup brownie mix water perfect hey we've done some events last month Mm -hmm. This month, too many events, so many events. Yeah, we got back from Washington, D.C., put our mountain bikes back together, and promptly started gravel riding instead. Yeah. Well, actually, I did the, yeah, I did the South Sick 50, mm -hmm. 12 miles of it before I just gave up. I was tired and angry. and <laughs> It was the day after we got off the plane. It was not fun. Yeah, I put my bike together literally 12 hours before I did the ride, and I just was not mentally there. So, South Sick 50, 50 miles down there. It's a lot of fun if you like going in circles for hours and hours and hours. And that day I was not feeling it, so yeah. I just went home. <laughs> uh, I hadn't intended to talk about that one, but I, I like those 50-mile rides. They're, they're a good group of people. Yeah. So, first one that we did, Jen. Lus Hills Enduro. Is that how it's pronounced? I can never pronounce it right. Lus Hills. That's always how I say it. Yeah, well, good enough. Uh, that was in Malvern? Mm-hmm. Basically, eastern Iowa. Western, Western Iowa. Western Iowa. Over by Omaha. Southwest Iowa. Yeah. We stayed the night, drove down there, did a big ride. Yep. You did... How far did you do? I did the 50K. Uh-huh. You did the 100K on that one. That was fun. I do wish... We went through like one of the hills where it was like, you know, the road was cut through the hill and I was really hoping to have a few more of those. Yeah. I was... I, I was disappointed. I thought... I, you know, I'd never been down there. I mm -hmm. thought that it was all going to be like roads through these crazy cut-in hills. And I wonder if we would have done the dry route if we would have had more of that. Mm -hmm. I'm almost certain we would have. I think we would have. Um, you had a crazy hill. Not cut through a hill, but just hill in general. No, it was cut through. Oh, it was? Yeah. So the one that was what I was expecting mm -hmm. was also a 22% grade. Oh my goodness. Were you going up or down? Up. Yeah. 22% <laughs> grade going up. Everybody I was around just walked it. Um, and it was kind of... It had dried out enough that you could ride it if you were a really, really good rider coming from mountain biking. <clears throat> so but you rode it? I did ride it just in defiance, just in based on <laughs> stubbornness more than anything. And uh, yeah, it was the one hill that was what I was expecting. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was a fun. good ride. Yeah. Yeah. I like the people. I like the area. It just wasn't. I think the fact that it wasn't what I was expecting, I was kind of like, wait, this is this is different. Yeah, thirty miles in, I was like, "Where's the big, cool, cut-in hills at?" And I'm I'm pretty sure it was just because we had we had to do the dry route, mm -hmm. so it was more established roads rather than those cut-in B roads. Yeah, it was it was a good event. It was fun people. I really liked the uh, the after race. They had food and drinks, and you know, it was very well organized. So I think we might do that again in the future. Yeah, I, I recommend it, and we'll get to uh, my thoughts on 50k here later because I have very strong. Happy thoughts. 
<laughs> the uh, the next ride that we did was completely opposite of that, being that it was very flat, but also group ride and not race at all, and gravel that we're pretty familiar with. And that was a gents race out of, where was that? Slater. Slater. So just north of here. Yep. 30 minutes uh, pretty much north of, of here. Where everybody knows where we yes. are. Well, Des Moines metro area. Yeah. I think we've established 30 that. minutes outside of Des Moines, north of Des Moines. And I don't know if you know what it's like north of Des Moines. Flat. Super flat. Pancake. Super duper flat. The glaciers made it to Des Moines and we're just like, nah, we're good. We're going to chill here and make everything flat. Yeah. So south of Des Moines, really hilly. North of Des Moines, super flat. And it, it kind of lends itself to gravel riding, interestingly, because you have such a, a different mm-hmm. feel. Oh, yeah, it's totally different doing a flat gravel ride as opposed to up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Correct. The gents race, it is a five-person team, Mm -hmm. and we weren't necessarily planning on doing it. It wasn't really on our event radar. Yeah, we didn't have a team. I think a lot of people, like, go with their race team, and we didn't have that. But we had some friends reach out to us and say, hey, we need two more riders. Do you want to do it? And we're like... Well, we don't have anything else that weekend. We might as well. Right? <laughs> Much like the DC trip, we just said yeah and didn't think about it. So we ended up on a team of five people, mm-hmm. um, and it went. Hmm, how do I? Well, we we had a we had a team member who cramped up really bad. Yeah. And so we ended up not doing an average that I would have liked to do, which was fine because I think by the end that was about all Jen yeah. cared to do. <laughs> No, the first 40 miles were really fun. It was a good day. We did have, there was these sections where we'd be going north and it would, the gravel was sandier than normal and we had a slight headwind and it was just this long, like it'd be eight miles of this at a time and that got a little bit old, but good day. Wind wasn't too bad. Overall, it was really fun. The temperature was fine for the first four hours. Yeah, we started at 8.44. So the way that this ride goes is everyone's in groups of five, and the race organizers will assign start times, and the faster they think you're going to go, the farther back you start. So like, I had some friends that rode on a team, and they're all really strong riders, and so they started at 9.30, whereas the first group took off at 8. And then the first person back or first team back that has all five riders wins. Like, it's not for overall time. It's just the first team back wins. Which, oh. Yeah. It's a, really? It's a format that I've never seen before. I, I really like that format. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool because it the idea is it levels the playing field a lot more. Well, and more than that, you see people. You mm-hmm. see people you never see. Like, I'm friends with people who are faster than me. Yeah, and they passed us at yeah. certain points. And then you go, hey, what's up, Zach? And he goes, hi, I'm going to go win. You go, okay, bye. <laughs> uh, but with the five-person team, I've talked to a lot of teams who actually had a person cramp or not mm-hmm. have a good day. And so I hmm, I wasn't upset that we did it that way. It was just kind of frustrating. But then talking to other people, I realized like, oh, that's part of the dynamic, you know? Oh, yeah. And have you actually ridden on a team for the uh, Indy 50? Because no. that's the same idea there, is you have to stick with your team. And so if someone cramps, you're all slowing down. I'm a very selfish creature, Jen, okay? You are a very <laughs> selfish creature. <laughs> but our the, the two other teams I talked to, they actually were disqualified because their teammate, uh, they just couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, that's fine. Our teammate, he, he stuck it out, man, and still made a 10-mile-an-hour average despite cramping the entire time. Well, the entire well, second half. Yeah, the second half. He was fine in the beginning. And it was I think it was just one of those things where nutrition wasn't great. And it was um, – he was coming from Chicago, and it had been warmer here than it had been there, which is something that we've run into. You know, Swig, two years ago, we had the same issue of we just weren't heat acclimated. Oh, uh, that, yeah. And it was rough, but – we all kind of slowed down and stuck together and came in as a team, and it was fun. Yeah. So, from talking to other people, my attitude's gone from like, oh, we should have been faster to like, yeah, we finished. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, I personally think it was very good for you as a rider to have to slow down. I grew emotionally that day, <laughs> much like the Grinch. I had a lot of fun because my primary emotion on gravel rides is I want friends to talk to, and I was assigned friends to talk to, and I like these friends, so <laughs> it was cool. 
Um, but the downside was was we got home and we're just completely wiped. Oh my goodness! I yeah. laid on the floor. This was a hundred k ride. Mm-hmm. I laid on the floor. I was watching a video on my phone. I like <laughs> passed out. Woke up. Tried to get up. Passed out again. And legit thought that I was just gonna die. Yeah, we were so, both tired. We were not very functional. No, that was our whole that was our whole rest of the day and the next day. Yeah, we managed to feed ourselves, but that was about the only accomplishment. <laughs> Yeah, we laid on the floor, just like sticking our face in a cheeseburger. <laughs> um, that was an exaggeration for those at home. Yes. But not much. Okay. Then. Anyhow, I do want to say, I oh, really, okay. I like gents. Gents was fun. It's something that we don't do a lot of. And I would recommend trying, if you've never done that kind of group ride, check it out. Like, definitely try to find people who are roughly your same speed. But yeah, I think it was good. Yeah, and even if they are, they can cramp up. I mean, our our guy, he he mm-hmm. was he was probably a stronger rider than I am. Yeah, I was worried he was just going to drop us and be angry, but you know, he had he started cramping up, mm-hmm. and that's part of it. Um, yeah, the, the the event format was super cool too. I'd never seen that, and I love it, and I want all events to be that format now. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. And then last week. No, yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this weekend. It's been a long yesterday. We went back to SWIG, so Southwest Iowa Gravel Grinder. This is my third year. Yep. This is, what, your fourth year? It's my fourth year. I started the second year that they even did it, so mm-hmm. I've been there almost every year. And it is, dude, it's consistently, like, just my favorite, I don't know, the atmosphere afterwards I really like. I think part of it is that we've gone for so long, we know what's going on, like, the 50k course we were on the wet route this year and it was 90 percent the same course that i did last year which i really appreciated this year because my garmin was not working more on that in a minute but like i know the area i know the people i know what to expect i know that it's going to be gorgeous and it's just it almost feels a little bit like coming home because it's a lot like knoxville yeah it really is especially that the diner that we go to but man dude Swig swag, best swag. <laughs> Would you care to elaborate on that? Um, Corey got his hands on these sweet freaking like uh, thermos things. What, what would you call koozies. it? Koozies. It's a um, metal koozie. A metal walled like vacuum koozie that has swig on it. Dude, these he could have got t- five of these for the winners only and it would have been cool. But uh, that was our uh, race T-shirt in quotes. Yeah. Yeah, instead of a t-shirt, we got that. And we got a meal at the uh, the local TJ's, the local restaurant. But mm-hmm. how about we talk about that after we talk about the actual race? Yes. So, I did the 50K again. Anthony, what did you do this year? Well, given my near-death experience the week before of laying on the floor being miserable, I thought, you know, how about I do a 50K and just, like, go home and actually be able to, like, mow the lawn and live? Yeah. We were supposed to have a, a family event that afternoon too so it's like okay so maybe maybe getting done earlier in the day would be good yeah and so i I dropped down to the 50k and i kind of thought like oh am i just am i just giving up because in mountain biking Mm -hmm. the lower distances are uh less skilled categories oh yeah it's completely set up where the categories like if you're doing expert you're doing more yeah and so there's we definitely come to it with this idea of the 50k is the beginner's race or you know, Anthony would, would be sandbagging if he were to do the 50K. And I I don't think it should be that way. I've never thought it should be that way because I like sprints more than long distance. Well, in, in fairness, I did I did win the 50K. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe you were sandbagging. Well, I think I think that should be a, a category in and of itself. Uh, a Sprint category. Yeah, a competitive, you know, two hour, hour and 45 minute just all out on the on a gravel road because it was super fun mm-hmm. i mean I, I went as hard as i could i knew the people there i got done in like two hours i averaged like 17 15 and a half miles an hour mm-hmm. and when we came home i was functional yeah which i usually am completely non-functional and i have not been able to figure out why so i i, I love i love that 50k man it was so it was so enjoyable <laughs> It was like the first gravel ride I've done where I got done and went, ah, that was fun. That was enjoyable. I'm going to go and do other things now. Well, 100K is a long, it's just a long time to commit to. And then there's also the 200K, which neither of us has ever done. And there are some people who 
they love that and that's where they excel and I think it's great for them, but well, it's challenging too because we have friends who make the hundred k look like n- nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll go out and do sixty two miles of, of gravel and just be like, "Oh, that was fun! Time to go do this." So you see that and you think, "Oh man, I'm not that good." And you know what? I'm putting my toe down. <laughs> well, it's it's something that I have struggled with the entire time that I've ridden gravel because it makes me feel like I'm just not good enough, and I've finally come to the point of. There are people who ride gravel, they ride minimum of 20, 30 miles a day on gravel because their schedule allows for that. And since it's not my top priority, I'm just not going to put in the training to really be that good or that competitive at 100K or 200K distance. But I love going out there and being on the gravel road and having fun for the 50K. And I think it's really cool that we're seeing more and more of those because then it's accessible to more people. Yeah, I think it's accessible, but I also think that we could make it or it could be a a category in its own where people who don't want to do 62 miles could race a 30 mile and be competitive in in that category. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I mean, 30 miles is not nothing. Racing for two hours is not... Three hours for some of us. Well, competitive was the yeah. the keyword there. Hey, I, I mean, got you did second get second. For the women. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want more women to compete in that as well. Yeah, I I, I like that distance because coming from mountain biking, I don't bike for sixty miles or fifty miles on a mountain bike course, and so thirty is awesome, and I can just go full ham and then have the rest of the day. Well, this is something I ran into with running as well when I was doing more of that is I was a sprinter when I ran track. You know, my favorite race was the 100 meter dash. And the shortest distance you can find as an adult doing this for fun is a 5K. And that is nowhere near comparable to a sprint. And so I love the idea of let's go all out for a shorter distance because that's just what I've always found fun. Well, even if you look at like a a running, like you have 5K and you have a marathon and they don't treat the 5K like, oh, good job. You did a 5K. Maybe you should grow up a little bit. Yeah. You know, there's a bunch of a bunch of less, you know, you don't have to train as much, but they still have prizes for that. And nobody Mm -hmm. looks at a, well, I don't know this for sure, but I don't think people look at the 5K racers and think, what losers? No, it's it's a very different event, and it's treated as a very different event. The people who are very competitive in a 5K are probably not going to be the ones that are winning marathons, and vice versa. It's your you have different muscles for it, and you do very different training for it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I would love for there to be tons of 50Ks that were treated as it's kind of its own event, you know. And not like, oh, this is your intro till you get up to 100K. And then you can actually be a a good biker. And then you can be a real one. And then we'll acknowledge you. And maybe that's the way it is. And that's just, I just feel that way. But um, yeah, that's my feeling. Hey. Hey, I'm very curious to see what other people think of this. So if you're listening and you think that's the best idea ever or that's the stupidest idea ever, let us know. Actually, yeah. I would love to hear other people's uh, take on that. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I like the 50K. Maybe there's a reason that it, it feels like it's for beginners only, but I think it should be its own thing. You know, beginners can do that, and also there's people competitive in it. Yeah. All right. I'll get down to eye level and get off my giant, giant high horse here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just I just really like the 50K and wanted to let other people know that I I think it should be its own kind of sprint event. Because mm-hmm. I got, I was so, I was so happy yesterday. Oh my God. Done. You were like giddy. It's awesome. That was fun. And Anthony had gotten done ahead of me and was still, you know, functional enough that he went and got the truck and brought it back. And I loved it because then all my stuff was right there where I needed it to be so I could have my recovery and put on not bike shorts and be good. Maybe I'll just start doing 50Ks to prove a point. <laughs> just be that guy. Yeah. People be like, Anthony's sandbagging. And it's like, no, I am the 50K champion. <laughs> Uh, Swig, man. Woo, that was a whole tangent about 50 kids. Hey, maybe you'll get some competitors then. Like, I'm going to challenge that 50K guy. Yeah, exactly. And then we can spread out, we can spread the love of the other events too. Yeah, I feel like that overshadowed Swig, which once again was an awesome event. It was very questionable weather going into it. Yes. But, oh my God, it was like 80 degrees, probably 80% humidity, slightly windy, just a gorgeous day to be on a bike. Yeah, it was a good day. The, the trails were trails, road, mm-hmm. gravel roads were kind of wet. Um, I, I I thought it was a great, great event. 
Once again, shout out to the Varia. I had a semi come up behind me on a gravel road, and I didn't hear it until the Varia went off, so that was amazing. Varias are amazing. And then the thing that I... I don't know. I just... After Swig, you get a meal at TJ's. That's like part of your... Part of, part of signing up for it. And TJ's isn't like a bar where there's a bunch of people. It's just some local place mm-hmm. that you go, and this nice lady is nice to you. And this old guy comes up and says, hey, did you do the gravel ride today? And you go, yeah. And he's like, oh, what a terrible, what a day to pour it. And you go, yeah, the weather's great. Just kidding. And he goes, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, just not associated with the race at all. Just someone who is eating his lunch in TJ's because it's not like they shut it down for the bikers. Yeah. And I think TJ's really likes it because they probably make just crazy amounts of money on tips. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the bikers are very happy to have anything. Oh, yeah. The food's good. It's a fun place to go and sit after being on a bike. And it's just that. And I I feel like it might be us kind of associating it back with growing up in Knoxville. But it very much has that hometown feel. We're, we're just here to have a good time. And we're happy that you showed up to check out our town. Yeah. I, I think the, the ride itself, having a 50, 100, and 200K was really good because it, it appealed to, you know, a huge range of people. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many people they had, but it was... A it, lot. It's, yeah. It's become its own popular event. So, good job, Corey. Sorry we gave you... Well, we didn't give you too much more time. We gave the 50K for tangent more time. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's good. And I, I love that event. I would always encourage people if you want to check out gravel check that out because i think it's got some of my favorite aspects of gravel being you know the hills which oh buddy when i started riding gravel i would not have said that was one of my favorite favorite parts but i freaking love the hills on swig they're so fun yeah lots of hills i would say that one and los hills are both on my list of kind of uh kind of beginner more beginner friendly Mm -hmm. because you can just go out and Lowe's Hills had a 50K too, didn't it? It did. And also, it's just such a cool way. I love with gravel of the idea that you're getting out to check out this part of the state that you probably have no reason to go to otherwise. Yeah, I think that distance really helps people just, you know, go have a good time, check out this part of the state, and then don't be completely wiped afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, Lowe's Hill, Lowe's Hills? Lowe's Hills. Say it how you want. Uh, I might be wrong. I don't know. But they have a 50K as well. I think that'd be a very good intro ride or a very good sprint ride if you want to win. Um, I'll probably do that next year <laughs> because I'm in love. Oh, my God. Not, well, I mean, with you too, but with the But race. mostly with 50Ks. So, well, I think we're going to call it there. Anthony's going to go off and dream about 50Ks some more. <laughs> <laughs> and we look forward to hearing what you guys think about that. Yeah, let us know. I'm interested to hear people's thoughts. Until please, please be nice. <laughs> Until next time, you can find us on Instagram at bottom.bracket.biking. And as always, ride dirt, not mud. I like 50Ks. I won't like. <laughs>